seems like it could be an awesome place for us to film. It kept the worst murderers and criminals in the country. They even say it's haunted. We're explorers, we're not fake spook hunters. We are here in the infamous Rockland Heights prison. They called it Hell's Half Acre. If you don't believe in the devil, do you believe in God? Never met him. I can't say I believe either. You can't be here. It's not safe. Hello? This place is just wrong. They found a pentagram drawn on the ceilings of their cells. I saw someone. All night vision cameras are set up. I'm not staying here any longer than I have to. Did that door just slam on its own? Grab the gear, we're blowing. Oh my god! Help! You guys hear that? Nice to How see you, Carl. Yeah, nice to see you. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Um, how how are you? Absolutely. Um, real good, actually. Um, just uh working my tail off, uh getting this uh movie out there and uh you know, just doing a lot, man. It's just you know, we're working on a sequel already, uh, bigger budget, so we're excited as hell. Uh but th this is really cool. This is all coming out. Uh, we had a little bit of a delay on Amazon, some little technical thing with the closed captioning. I guess it's common. So it delayed the, uh, the um, uh, what do you call it, the release by a couple of days, I think. So uh, it should be coming out uh, any day now. But it's on Tubi and Google Play and the other places. So, yeah. It's getting um, out. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's trying to get it out there. Um, meanwhile, a buddy of mine, you're, I know you love, uh, heavy metal, right? That's one of the things you like. Do you like the eighties, nineties or oh, all the way through? Pretty much anything, anything and everything that falls under that category. Okay. Gotcha. Same here. Uh, so my buddy, uh, has a group called Vor and, uh, he did a song for us, uh, Hell's Half Acre. Of course. Yep. And that's at the end of the at the end of the movie. They play the song and uh it's on iTunes. It's everywhere right now. Um I I can't I can't stop listening to it. It's so cool, so freaking cool. Um <laughs> but uh yeah, we're just we're just having fun with this. So well, massive amount of congratulations on the digital and on-demand release of Hell's Half Acre. Um, you know. The briefest synopsis I feel I can give for the movie. It's a horror movie. Group of urban explorer YouTubers end up in the abandoned Rockland Heights prison, which isn't basically as empty as it first seems. So far, are you happy with the attention and the reactions that the movie has gotten overall, whether they be positive, negative reviews and so on? You know, yeah, I think overall it's been positive. We'd had a couple of naysayers, you know, um, kind of, you know, pick it a little, pick at it a little bit, which, you know, some of it's nitpicking, some of it I could see, yeah, okay, you know, I could take the criticism. 
Mm. Um, I think the worst critic, though, is the filmmaker, you know, the person that's doing it. So there are things in there that I, you know, I'm just like, I'm a perfectionist and I want to get it just right, you know, just like perfect. And so there's a few things that stick out that nobody notices except me, the filmmaker. But, uh, you know, stuff like that. I, I think, uh, you know, we're our worst enemy, you know, as far as uh, being critics, you know, when you're doing a film. Uh, you know, probably like any artist, I imagine, uh, you know, artists doing a painting or something, there's always something, you know, that they, they feel they could do or a musician, you know, mm -hmm. I could have hit that note just, you know, but uh, in, in that respect, but I think overall, it's been very uh, positive, uh, overwhelmingly positive. So, uh, you know, I couldn't ask for a better uh, opening so far. Knowing off what you just said there, effectively nitpicking your own work, so to speak, does that make it harder yeah. for you to watch? Um, so, for example, just using Hell's Half Acre as an example, mm -hmm. have you watched it back a lot your, yourself, or do you kind of avoid doing that because you will notice and start pulling out things you wish you'd done differently? Uh, no, I, I still watch it a lot. Um, not well, not so much now. Um, you know, but uh, I think once we had a lock on the editing and, you know, we went back and forth so much, the director, and in this case, I'm the writer director, you're going to go mm -hmm. back and forth endless amounts of time with the post-production teams. Uh, they're, they're at the end of the day, they're like, okay, is this done now? Is it everything good? Yes. Now everything's fine. Uh, but on the filmmaking side, there's obviously things that I feel I wish I could have done a little differently for a few things, but I think overall, it's very, it's done pretty darn well. Uh, the scares are there. Uh, People uh, seem to be really genuinely scared. The the, the jump scares are are you know really in the right places. Perspective, yeah. Um, people seem yeah. to be reacting uh, well to the characters. They like the characters. Um, I've I've heard some things some uh, about some of the characters. No, you didn't. Oh no, what happened to that character? I don't want to give anything away, but you know. <laughs> You know, so it tells me that they care about the characters and they're likable and, you know, and that's what's important. And they're going to have a thrill ride. There's some twists in here. It's not just a straight up, uh, you know, horror. There's a couple of twists in there, uh, surprises, I guess, if you will. But um, I think people are reacting very well to it. Yeah, there's one in particular that took me by uh, surprise, you know, and, um, you know, I, I, I watch a lot of horror a lot probably too much really to the point where I can become desensitized to any sort of yeah. shifts changes twists and so on so mm -hmm. uh the fact that it took me by surprise was uh, a joyful moment yeah <laughs> yeah and the third act or the second act third you know you remember third, third? yeah 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 there's yeah. a bit of an avalanche I'm trying to dart, yeah. yeah yeah it's trying yeah, to dance yeah. around spoilers as it were <laughs> yeah it, it's an avalanche in the third so yeah it, it builds up and then it's just like it crack a tower you know it just explodes so we'll go back to the start then and in particular your initial vision because you did say already you write, wrote writer and director for this one your initial vision mm -hmm. for what you wanted hell's half acre to look like and also how different was the final product to that vision um i, I would say it was fairly close uh the only thing is the the locations which were i gotta be honest they were creepy as shit <laughs> uh these were the prison the initial prison we used there's a men's and a female a women's prison they were both built in about 1869 68 mm. and i gotta tell you the history in there you walk in there uh, a lot of bad mojo a lot of bad things 
uh, we had a lot of supernatural, I guess, paranormal encounters, things that wow. we didn't anticipate. You're right, to our crew and our cast, uh, some really strange things happened, some uh, chilling things happened. We had an art director when we were scouting the one location. It was Joliet State Prison. Um, and uh, she went into one of the particular rooms we were going to film in, and she was getting ideas for production design. She was in there about, I'd say, two minutes. She came running out crying. Uh, and she had to, she ran outside. I have to get air. I have to get air. And she was hysterical, just tears, just streaming. We were like, what the, what, did something happen? Did somebody say something or upset her? She said that she walked in there and she had this overwhelming sense of dread and despair and almost like she was not wanted there. And that mm. she, you know, it, it really these overwhelming feelings. And she's uh, not one of these people that really, in my opinion, cared too much or believed too much in paranormal stuff. But she ran out. Uh, we had to talk to her and, and kind of talk her off the ledge, so to speak. But that was really unnerving to see that. Um, we also had a instance where we filmed at this uh, old jailhouse where they filmed Public Enemies with Johnny Depp about the John Dillinger movie, the mm. gangster movie. Well, John Dillinger's cell uh, is there. And we had a parent uh, experience there. And I witnessed that one. I can't, I still can't believe it. Um, outside of John, there's like a picture one, a hallway, uh, windows with bars on the right. Uh, it's probably five feet wide. And then you have cells like uh, about six cells. Okay. At the end was John Dillinger's cell. And there are lights outside on the ceiling outside of each cell. Well, one of my um, my first AD went into, you know, to do a little video thing with his phone. And he's like, oh, we're in John Dillinger's cell. And when he went in there, the light flickered on and off outside the cell. And I was like, oh, that's weird. OK, uh, then it it went it was on and then turned off and then on. And then he came out and he was like, OK, all right, then uh, if you are John Dillinger are here make this light go off and on. And I swear as Christ is my witness, the light went off and on. And I was just like, you know, this is, this is really bizarre. All of them are fine, except the one in the end. Uh, uh, you can't control that on a separate circuit. The building is very old. Yeah. Uh, it was just really bizarre. So he came back and he told us that, you know, I was asking questions. Do you want me to leave? And he said he got a feeling like, yeah, I want you out of my cell. Right. So it was really, yeah, out of John Dillinger's cell. Extremely really unnerving weird. stuff. Yeah, there, there was, there were more too. Believe it or not. Did but that? I can go on and on. Yeah. But did it affect? It was like, really. I mean, yeah. obviously, it would affected the crew and affected you all in a certain way. But you obviously were you carried on. Was there ever any moment where you're like, you know what, this is too uncomfortable. It's too unnerving. Everyone's tense. Let's change mm -hmm. this, or did you just kind of plow on? Uh, we sort of just, you know, didn't go anywhere alone, but it was mm. always groups of two or three at minimum, unless it's the bathroom. <laughs> uh, you know, in that case that was, you know, but, um, yeah, another weird thing, but, you know, the cast sort of started to laugh it off a little bit because, uh, one of the gals, Amanda, uh, she was, she had been texting or something. She put her phone down. Nobody was sitting next to her. All, the other cast members were to her right. They were sitting on this sort of dock thing outside of the like a loading area, I guess, outside of the the prison, the women's prison. Mm. And I don't know, five minutes, 10 minutes went by. She picked up her phone. She was going to text somebody. And the word summoned was typed. 
And she said she didn't type that. It was it, it wasn't it was really strange. It was like uh, she was about to send a, a text. She had left that open and but nothing was on the screen. And it just it, somebody had typed summoned. But if she doesn't know how it could have happened, it was sitting right next to her. So it was really weird. Um, strange. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it, you've almost got a horror movie in itself with the behind the scenes <laughs> makings of making I know. It, Faker. It's, it really was, uh, you know, and I, I sort of tried to downplay. I didn't tell them about his other experiences with the production designer. Um, also, my first AD when we were scouting, um, she was standing, I'd say about eight feet from me. I was sitting down on my phone uh, and there was a production assistant on his phone. Uh, and she was just standing around looking. We were waiting for um, the rest of the team to come up. It was pretty quiet in one of the cell blocks. You could have heard a pin drop. Mm. And I don't know, it was about five, 10 minutes we were waiting. And suddenly out of nowhere, she says, who said that? And she's looking around. Uh, and I said, uh, who said what? Nobody said anything. She goes, no, somebody said hello right by my ear. Oh man. And I said, there's nobody here. And she's a person that doesn't believe in ghosts. She doesn't believe in anything, but this really, yeah, that really kind of rocked her a little bit. So definitely some paranormal activity went on uh, at these at locations. Um, I mean, I, I could go on a lot of stories. There was one, I'll give you one last thing that, mm. ha uh, that happened at the, um, in the opening scene uh, where you see the woman running uh, on the boardwalk. And of course she ends up, getting pulled into the cell mm. um well in the basement of that prison that was the women's prison yeah um there was like a, a lower level basement where they had i guess it's solitary confinement the ceiling down there was uh rather low it was like five and a half feet mm. uh the cells were only four feet tall by four feet by four feet dirt floors and a cage door that would lock mm. uh one of my producers came down with me robert a good friend of mine for many years and he is a bit sensitive to things. Um, he, you know, picks up things. He he started hyperventilating. He he just it it was and he's not claustrophobic, but he started to hyperventilate. We had to get him out of there. Um, and it was he picked up so much negative energy. He said a lot of bad things happened down here, John. A lot of bad things. And when he says that, he almost never says anything. But mm. when he does, uh, it's you got to listen to the guy. Um, so that was really unnerving. So we decided not to film down there. Uh, it was just too, too much, uh, you know, oh, so wow. yeah, there were parts that we didn't, that, that one in particular, I thought was just, I mean, it was just creepy as, as hell. And I wanted to film down there, but after that, I said, there's no way we could, there's mm. just no way. There's just Amazing. No way. So <laughs> Yeah. But, uh, we, uh, overnights were difficult uh we had film overnights because this mostly happened at night so we're filming mm. you know we got 6 p.m to 6 a.m and that things got really interesting in the middle of the night things got you know a little silly a little loopy you know the alter egos would come out and you know so we we mostly laughed a lot honest to be even amongst all the horror the real horror we laughed a lot so it was trying it was to make the experience fun, fun. It, it did. Yeah. And I think the actors had a great time. The crew, it made it tolerable, you know. Well, I mean, it's incredible uh, that all that occurred and so much more. And that was ended. You actually got a movie made out from all of that 
incredible uh, story. Yes, um, because the basic synopsis of the movie puts it in a specific bracket. We're talking about it now, paranormal. But watching it, it is also not as straightforward as that, as we've touched upon. I have to ask you then, were you conscious of the tropes that have kind of, dare I say, dragged paranormal horror side of things down in recent times? Uh, you know, tropes that people almost watch and expect. Did you Were you aware of that? And were you trying to avoid a lot of that? Well, I did try to avoid a lot of that because uh, and um, I just heard about urban exploring about seven years ago, mm. and I, I wasn't really familiar. I mean, I knew people would break into old buildings, look around, but um, I, I actually talked to an urban explorer about five years ago, um, and he has like a million followers, and he, he goes in. He does these really cool videos, and he just has fun with it. He gives a little bit of the history and uh, you know this and that, and I, I thought, wow, that'd be kind of a cool to do a horror movie. I've seen so many with paranormal investigators, uh, grave encounters, which I mean, all these are done very well. Yeah. I thought, I don't want to do the same thing. You know, I don't want to just do the, you know, the piggyback back off of that. So I thought, what about these urban explorers that the, the leader of the group who doesn't believe in anything, uh, ghost, God, goblins, the devil, anything, he doesn't want to do any, he just wants to go in there, tell the history pure urban exploring no none of this halloween crap as he puts it quote unquote mm-hmm. um and his his girlfriend and and uh, you know first in command if you will jesse wants to do a few things little scares here and there and it wouldn't hurt to throw it in and he says no we're not doing any cheap theatrics uh so it's interesting for them to go in there with that attitude with most of the people not really believing in this stuff mm-hmm. and that's not what they're there for they're there to tell the history of this place nobody's been to this location in decades has a horrific background. Two serial killers uh, actually were executed there for causing a riot so bad that it uh, it was some, something like 34 people were uh, injured, uh, 16 secure uh, you know prison guards were executed. Uh, it was just public outcry and political pressure. These two serial killers, Martin Clay, uh, mm-hmm. who was cannibal Clay, he would eat his victims. Uh, after he killed them and then the red ripper richards who used a hunting style bowie knife to basically fillet his and paint the wall with blood so we had these two characters who ended up painting uh the the uh day they were executed at one day apart both of them had detailed pentagrams painted on the ceilings of their cell so they had basically made a bargain with the devil to sell their souls uh, and, you know, obviously they became uh, part of the permanent part of the uh, prison after it had closed. Uh, it had closed a few short years after that. So that that's basically, um, uh, you know, that, that's basically the, the gist of the background of this place that they didn't really want to touch too much on. They, they started to give a little bit of the history, but it was really just to, to do just that. It wasn't mm. to find ghosts or anything like that, but seems that it, it found them now when i watch uh, a movie and when uh, yours came my way i always avoid reading a review going into that i want to go on blind to a certain degree i'll read the two line three line synopsis and it will obviously give you an expectation and i'll be honest i expected a found footage style movie oh okay. yet of course it isn't now i have to ask you considering the idea of urban explorers youtubers you could have very easily done that that way did the idea ever cross your mind it did but i i i mean i talked with um um one of my writing friends and i thought you know i think found footage has kind of run its course i, I mean there's a few exceptions but i think it's been done so much i i didn't really want to do 
Mm. Um, I, I, I considered it, but I thought, you know what? I just think it's been done a, a lot too much. So we decided not to go the found footage route. Yeah. So. I'm totally grateful yeah. here. Uh, you say it's run its course. I say it ran its yeah. course a decade. It feels like a decade ago. So, that, you know, I was yeah. very, very happy <laughs> to see it wasn't that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Overall, then, what was one of the more challenging aspects for you of making a movie? And um, how did you overcome that challenge? Okay, well, I could tell you easily. Um, we we started the movie um, about a day or so before the pandemic. Uh, and we were hit with the pandemic. Uh, we had a, a SAG actor, uh, Matthew Ashford, who is... He's big in the television um, soap opera world, uh, and he's been in some films, movies. He's a friend. Uh, SAG basically threatened all the SAG actors, don't do it or you're out of the a guild. Oh, um, so we decided to press on, take mm -hmm. precautions. Uh, but it was it was the most unusual filming I think I've ever done with all everything in place, the the gloves, the you know every, everything, masking. We had to do social distancing. We had certain tables set up for certain things um it made it very difficult but we we still decided i said i'm not going to force anybody to do this we had meetings and i you know we actually had one actress who declined the role because she was concerned about covid and you know yep. contracting it um and i said well i i understand i i'm no problem we'll consider you for future projects yep. we ended up casting somebody else who honestly bryn uh, Jesse, she, I, she did a great job. I'm very happy with her performance. Um, and, and it worked out. So that was the, the biggest challenge is starting a movie at the beginning of a pandemic, uh, <laughs> and getting through that. Um, so that the other biggest challenge was the overnight filming, mm. uh, 6 PM to 6 AM. We had to do, I think it would say about almost two thirds of the movie was overnight, mm. uh, because it's supposed to be one evening. Right. So, um, I think it's a total of two days, but the second day is all mostly at the prison. So it was all yep. overnight. So that was the biggest, uh, next biggest challenge. We had to bring in cots, uh, you know, for people to take naps, take breaks, things like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of, um, uh, blood, sweat and tears and, but fun. And we also had a lot of fun doing it. It, it is incredible. Uh, they, Go, you know, starting, as you said, at the beginning of the pandemic, when uh, all of us, the world, whatever country we were in, was blind, no idea what to expect. So the fact you were able to do it and get through it as safe mm -hmm. as you possibly could is incredible. And I love that we can come back to the word fun, because in the opposite side of the challenge, I want to also know that what was something that you can look at and remember about the entire experience that you do think, yep, that was the most fun aspect for me? Oh, the most fun. Uh, mm. It's hard to narrow it down. <laughs> we we actually, we had so much fun. The cast was, um, Quinn is, he's just a natural comedian. He does stand up. He does a lot of comedy. Okay. He was the youngest of the, of the cast. He was only, um, I think, 18 years old when we filmed this. Uh, the other cast members were probably between 22 and 28. They all looked about the same age. They all blended. They all got along like they were friends for years. Um, which was very important, the chemistry. Um, you know, he would just sometimes it would we were waiting for camera or lighting to set up, and it's it's again quiet, everybody's tired, exhausted, and he would bust out into a song and <laughs> just kind of lighten things up. Mm -hmm. Um, I had to create a, an alter ego to also to motivate them. Um, 
it was his name was Jack Daniels. Uh, okay. Cross between Rip Torn and uh, oh gosh, you know, kind of a character. Hey, uh, come on, let's get going. So it was it was you know the kids liked it. They had a good time. They just you know kept things moving. That was the important things. So, um, yeah, it was it. When we had laughs, it were, there were a lot of laughs, and it was hard to sometimes realize that this is a comedy, guys. But when the camera was about to roll, people switched into serious mode. Yeah, time to do horror. Yeah, time to do horror. Well, from a writing perspective, it is very clear with Hell's Half Acre that you understand the importance of well-written characters. No one is going to care about the horror they face unless you give a damn about the people experiencing it so i have to ask were you conscious of making your characters not just that would care but real and relatable i think yes i i did try to do that i think i accomplished it um from what people are the feedback i'm getting mm. i mean you know um but yeah marcus is sort of his background is uh his father had died in a car accident a year before uh, which we mentioned in, in the in the film when Cassie's asking him, you know, so you yeah. don't believe in ghosts? Do you believe in God? He says, I never met him. And, he's, and then she's like, really, you don't believe what God would take? You know, my dad died in a car yeah. accident a year ago. What God would do that? So he's running really low on faith. He doesn't believe in anything um, until the events at Rockland Heights. So, you know, he's also trying to help support his family. He's got, uh, she mentions foreclosure papers in the opening scene that she noticed uh, in the car. She says, I, I noticed papers on, at your house. And he's like, what papers? She goes, the foreclosure papers. So mm. he goes, oh, that? He goes, it'll be fine. And she goes, she's trying to get more sponsors so they can make money so we can help, you know, pay for, help his family, his mother. So um, there's a lot of elaboration in the sequel, much more elaboration on this, on a lot of these aspects and the characters themselves too. Um, you can only do so much with a horror, too. I, I think you can't go too deep with them because then you lose the audience. Then of they're course. like, oh, God, just get to the gore. Just get to the, you know. So I didn't, want, I didn't want people to be like, okay. But I wanted to give a little backstory on that. And, of course, by the end of the film, for reasons I won't mention live, um, he, he becomes a believer. Mm. Uh, so he kind of regains his faith at the end. So... Um, which is interesting because it carries through to the sequel uh, in a big way, but um, <laughs> something happens. Well, many things happen during the course of it, but at, at towards the end, uh, he sees something that completely changes his whole perspective and he believes, you know? Um, so it does, does have a good kind of positive message um, when they're trying to get out of the prison and they can't seem to find their way out. And um there is a way that they do find a way out and it sort of changes everything for him. So um, you're a little bit of a redemption in that case, in that, you know, situation. Um, his, his friends are, you know, they're lifelong friends. They, they all grew up together. Uh, they're all jazzed to do this show, the, the YouTube channel. Um, so they're all in it to win it, you know, so to speak. Uh, so, but they, they just seem to mesh really well. There are arcs, and as you say, you can only go do so much with horror. But I love that you keep uh, you keep touching yeah. upon a sequel, and you create this image in my head of a much grander and more intriguing world. I cannot see, wait to see what comes mm -hmm. from that. Um, 
With this yeah. particular film, film, did the cast bring your characters to life in any way that you perhaps didn't necessarily expect? Obviously, you write them, you have a view in, in your head, but when you're seeing that mm-hmm. performance in front of you, um, did it kind of pan out differently? Mm-hmm. Uh, it certainly does, um, in a good way sometimes. Um, but in this case, they took the characters I wrote, they, they breathed life into them. Uh, and watching the actors take your lines that you've scribbled uh, with the characters. And, you know, during we did very, very heavy uh, rehearsals. Uh, we would we would do a lot of Zoom. Then I decided enough of that. We're going to meet up in a park. Uh, we're going to just and we did it. They were everybody was great to meet each other in person. I said, we can only listen. We'll, we'll sit apart a little bit, but we, we have to do this in person. We just can't yeah. do this via Zoom. Uh, they were all very grateful and they all, you know, people loosened up a bit. And um, I think the the main thing is that everybody meshed um, and they really sort of got to know each other a little better. And they even ended up going out a couple of times and hmm. just getting to know each other as, as you know, friends. So um, that really helps. But to see that come alive on the, you know, the screen in ways, you know, you see their personalities when they're auditioning. And you kind of hope they bring a little of that to their character. And when they do, uh, and, and they just take their personality plus your, you know, what you've written and they, they just, it's really amazing. It's fun. I love watching that. So, um, they really exceeded my expectations. I have to say they have a very talented group of young people and I'm just very blessed. Everybody associated with this, it was great to work with. Um, so I'm really looking forward to working with all of them again, too. It's probably unfair for me to ask this, but I'll throw it out anyway. Do you have a yeah. particular favorite scene or sequence from the movie? Oh, God, there's probably too many. Mm. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, the flashback or two I, I like, but I think when they get to the prison, the ominous feeling um, is just, you know, and the they're going into this place and it's just like larger than life. Uh, you know, you could almost smell the decay and the, you know, all of this, these things and, and they're having light of it. They're not thinking anything of it. It's just that we're going to get our, our show. Um, but you know, there were so many, uh, I liked the opening scene a lot mm-hmm. that we had a lot of fun doing that one. Uh, that was a, uh, a cross between, um, practical and visual effects um i i really enjoyed i wanted to see a lot of um demonic crawling on the ceiling and walls mm. uh we didn't get to do a lot but we did do something that was i think pretty fun mm. uh with re- respect to that and that was that took a lot of work that was again a combination of practical and visual effects those are always fun to do uh and then in the third act there's a lot of mixture of those two things again Indeed. um those are fun to do and i love the process and and being a part of it too so helping make the prosthetics and and things like that i'm very hands-on um i i actually helped uh build the electric chair uh and then we had our production designer uh go in and stain it and 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 sort of age it up you know uh so it was it's fun being a part of that and having your hand in things so um which consequently is sitting in my garage so <laughs> uh, you know, you yeah, it. of course I, you I have to keep dream. it. Well, you know, I have to, yeah, of course, you know, it's the electric chair. So <laughs> I, I asked my daughter uh, who's in the movie too. She plays a uh, Marcus's younger sister. 
So she's in the beginning and then the end of the film. Um, I, you know, should I, Ariana, should I bring the chair up in the, into the house? And she just gave me a look like dad, you know, so it's just like, uh, no, no, you're not going to be doing that. So, but it's, it's safely tucked away. Well, as we have touched upon a few times, uh, Hell's Half Ache is a twisty horror. Levels of delight all the way to the very, very end. Do you personally, as a writer, uh, enjoy subverting audiences' expectations overall? Then, yeah, oh yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want them to see it coming. Mm. I love to sort of manipulate and and sort of misdirect in some cases if I can. Uh, I don't want you to go in there and say, "Okay, I know what's going to happen. This happens. This person dies. End of story." I want them to keep, you know, thinking, keep them on the edge of their seat, uh, throw a few surprises at them, you know, things that were sort of wrapped into the plot line and just make them think, you know, a little bit and not expect everything that's going to happen. So, yeah, I, I, I like to watch a, a horror movie and not expect, you know, like get a few surprises. I, I do like those. You know, I don't want to just go in there saying, OK. All right, it's going to be 90 minutes. I know it's going to happen from beginning to end already. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think, yeah. So I think in this case, the audience is not going to know. They're not going to see it coming. Um, the, the, the little twists that we put in there. Yeah, it's also, but it's really difficult, particularly this day and age when originality is very, very hard to come by. It's more about doing the same story well. Where, where are you drawing your uh, inspirations, I guess, to find... A, not just a twist, because a twist without a point is irrelevant, but was something that works within your own stories. Uh, you know, I draw from different experiences, different mm. um, things that have made an impact in my life. Um, things I've seen over the years that I thought, that's kind of cool. Maybe I could do a variation of that. Um, and, and when you're writing it, I just, I, I want to... I'm trying to to put myself in the in the person's uh, the audience's uh, shoes. Like, mm. what would I want to see? What what would the, you know? What what are they going to want to see? Are they going to want to see this this and that? And you know, there's certain expectations, of course. Um, so it's it's a difficult thing to to say for me because I, I draw on many different uh, things. So, uh, like I said, some experiences, some things were you know things that I've. I've seen years ago and it just kind of made a, a really kind of a impact. And I thought, well, let me do something, a variation, not it's like apples and oranges, but it's still yep. kind of cool um, when writing this stuff. And, you know, and it's just honestly, when I see a character and I'm like, you know, it would really be cool. I'd love to see this. And then, okay, let's type that in there. <laughs> so um, it, it's just a combination of things, honestly. As long as it works, it's fantastic. And again, we keep dancing when the spoilers, and I'm not going to say anything at all, but okay. uh, something something related to date. Dates uh, was a particularly delightful moment. Mm -hmm. So overall then, for you, what has been the most rewarding part of working on Hell's Half Acre overall? The most rewarding part mm. um, is filming a movie through a pandemic. Uh, yeah. Getting this thing uh, done with the cast and crew we had, uh, who were just amazing, uh, and I'm so blessed to have worked with them. And you know, uh, you know, we, they're still they always text me and hey, what's going on? What's happening with this? What's that? You know, um, it, it's really um, 
this is so much reward. I mean, it, it's just a reward to finish the film and, you know, in the height of a pandemic and, or any, any, you know, even whether it was a pandemic or not, to just to get that accomplishment of, you know, wow, this is, this really came together better than I thought it would. And this is really kind of cool. I, 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 you know, I love watching it. I love enjoying it and people seem to like it and enjoy it. So, you know, that is probably the biggest reward right there. The whole pandemic thing will hope, well, fingers crossed that will be your only time you ever have to experience that kind yeah. of um, event to, and when it comes to making a film. But ultimately, you know, we now get to this stage, it's now about spreading the word and getting it out there and trying to get as many eyes focused on it. What do you see as the biggest challenge with getting Hell's Half Acre into the TVs of audiences around the world? Well, I mean, that, that's really um, not my wheelhouse, so to speak, but um, a Terror Films, um, mm. you know, they've graciously set up these wonderful uh interviews with you know i mean this is my this is the most fun interview i've had i think to date so um i i really appreciate um you know uh, the interview carl but um i think it's really on um you know i mean i could only do so much i can tell my friends my family uh facebook pages uh i could tell people um we're just trying to the best we can to get the word out uh, yeah. any way we can um, and I, I know that Terror Films is doing their best to get it out, to, you know, as well. And um, it would be cool to, you know, get this all around the world and, and just to kind of see what kind of reactions we're going to get. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. Yeah, with Terror Films getting out there um being available pretty much anywhere in the world on demand is such a huge, huge part of it. And although it's social media world, it's still word of mouth to a certain degree. We're just talking online instead of in each other's ears. And that matters as right. well. It does. It does. All right. Finally, I got one more for you, John. And really you, I think you kind of touched upon this a little bit and I realize you probably won't be able to go into too much in depth, but hell's half acre. That's now there. And that's cool. But what's going on with you right now? What, uh, what might the rest of 2023 look like? Uh, I'm working on several things. Um, one of them is a stu movie studio, um, which I can't wow. really go into detail on. Um, it's yeah. When, when we're ready to, to do that, I can certainly talk more about it, but it's, it's something really exciting. We have a lot of uh, a big venture capitalist behind it and uh, we're really excited about it. So that's taking up a lot of my time. Um, we're working on the sequel. It's in development. It's uh, hopefully going to go into pre-production soon. Uh, for this, I am working on, I do have a World War II horror that I've been trying to get back to. We did a, a trailer for it. It's called The Castle, um, about Nazi ghosts in a German castle. Uh, so it's, uh, we, we did a trailer for that. So I'm, I'm really excited about, you know, circling back to that as well. Mm -hmm. um, and several things in the, in the works, just in the writing, different stages. So as far as scripts go. So, yeah, yeah. That's incredible. There's nothing worse than ask that question. You need to turn around and tell me, oh, nothing really. Just going to sit at home for the next couple of months. But my goodness me, that yeah. is certainly not the case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I, I, sometimes I wish I could just do that. But it's, you know, not meant to be. It's good. This is good, though. So. I can't wait to see what comes next for me. John, thank you so much for taking time to do this. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Carl. I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for watching. If you liked what you saw, please help us out by giving us a thumbs up and hitting that subscribe button. If you really liked what you saw, 
Consider donating to keep the website and channel running by buying us a coffee via our coffee page or picking up some merch from our big cartel store. You can check us out on gbhbl.com as well as via our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as listen to our interviews via SoundCloud, Apple Music, and Spotify. Just search for GBHBL. Games, horror, and heavy metal. What else is life for? <laughs>